Hello and welcome everyone to the podcasty with Ryan. I am the right Ryan from TikTok and all the other apps. But today I am here with a very special guest, a New Yorker at heart. I was on her podcast. She's amazing. She's wonderful and she's so funny and she's sassy and we love her. And that is SJ Mendelson, also known as, and I'm going to do my best impersonation here, TikTok Bubby. That was very good. <laughs> so welcome. How are you today, dear? I am good. You know, we have the thing called the sick la vie, which is like where they close the streets in some parts of Los Angeles and people get to walk. So I'm kind of like, uh, although I was out earlier, I'm kind of like sticking in my house till it's all over because the traffic, forget it. Oh, oh I'm sure. I'm sure. The traffic's never great anyway, but. I don't mind the traffic, but they, they cordoned up all the streets near my house. So I'm here stuck. That's it. I gotcha. So for p- people who are listening from uh, many of them who are my TikTok followers, um, let's do a brief inter- I always call it, let's do the Wikipedia of you real quick. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Beautiful. Mm, that's a good question. A little bit about me. Well, you uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. We'll start I mean, at the I'm beginning. Not on, I am on Google, but I'm not on Wikipedia yet. But still, born in Brooklyn, raised most of the time in Brooklyn, except when we were moving all the time because we were always getting, you know, evicted because we never paid the rent or whatever, <laughs> which is, yeah, ha, 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 That's... so funny. But <laughs> And, you know, raised in Brooklyn, grandparents, we lived with them. We lived in another apartment. And then, uh, you know, just in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. I'm a baby boomer. Mm. The boomers. We're a boomer. I'm a boomer. So would you, um, if you, looking back, would you raise a child where you grew up? Do you think it would be a net benefit or, eh, I'd rather try somewhere else? No, I'd raise a child where I grew up because it was a beautiful place to grow up in Borough Park and Flatbush. Once we solidified, you know, my parents had their apartment for from 1943 when when they were married till we got kicked out in 1950. That's seven years in the same place. So, yeah, I'd raise it. You know, today it's a whole different neighborhood. But back then... It was a nice mix of Italian, Jewish, Puerto Rican. Everything was mixed, and I love that. Yeah. Um, Have you been back to see it? Oh, yeah. I go back once a year. This year, we didn't go back. But normally, what I do is I take a vacation. We take vacation in August. I was back there in May because that's when I filmed the Flamin' Hot Cheetos grandma commercial, mm-hmm. which is like the greatest, one of the best things that ever happened to me through Vayner Media, and uh, I was there, so I stayed with my uncle and aunt on Long Island, and I was going to go to Nathan's, which is my favorite place to visit when I'm in Brooklyn, whatever, but I didn't have time. It was just too much, a lot of work, and I just... You know, I needed to spend time with my uncle and aunt because they're my only really older living relatives still around. Right. No, I understand. And that probably a flood of memories come in, too. Oh, yeah. My uncle was like my father. He babysat for me when he was 18. So Aww. he's my second father. So what 
what from Brooklyn stays with you today that kind of helps you get through the day and you think you know what only a, only someone from Brooklyn would understand uh, the word forget about it <laughs> that's from Brooklyn and um, I love that word the strength the tenacity the will to survive by my mo- my mother and my grandmother they mm-hmm. were tough broad tough broads from Brooklyn both of them Although my grandma was from Poland, but, you know, she was a tough broad and so is my mother. I hear on your TikTok a lot, um, you mention your mother, um, sometimes in a positive vein and sometimes from the way I interpret the videos, not so positive, but it seems like she is with you every day. She's with me every day. My grandmother really was my, you know, my, I felt like she was, my Bubby was like, she was like my mother. My mother had had many issues, you know, with her self-esteem and who she was. And, you know, she was always a, a quandary to me. I could never figure her out, you know, in a lot of ways. She, she just, you know, she wasn't your typical, you know, she went to work, she held down two jobs, God bless her. Mm. But she wasn't like your typical mother back in the 50s at all. You know, totally not the typical mother. Mm-hmm. And so I have mixed feelings. I love my dad. You know, I was a daddy's girl. And even though he was a rascal, <laughs> bisexual, mostly, oh. most likely, I don't know. But, you know, I got that from him. Okay. That energy now as I think back. And he was, he always, you know, was somebody who told it like it was. He never, he never, like, skirted the issues. He always, you know, told me what he thought. So... Interesting. You know, you had a TikTok, and people should check this out. It's probably a few rows down, but you do edit a video, and I watched that three or four times, actually, um, Bubby, where someone had said, when your mother says, well, who do you think you are? What makes you think you're so special? And you could just see in your face, dear, the hurt Mm. and anger that you felt. And I watched it a few times, and my heart really went out to you on that. Yeah, she just, I don't know, she just, I think because her mother, you know, there were three kids, her mother had love, my Bobby, for the two boys, but never had the same kind of love for her. So she just, you know, when a woman doesn't know how to love themselves, how could they express love to their daughter, really? And she used, you know, what makes you think you're so special? Or well, the, fir- the thing that she used to say, a couple of things that were very mean, you know, like, I didn't think you were my daughter when you were born. I thought you'd have blonde hair, but I was dark like my dad. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was one thing she said. That's not my daughter, she said to the doctor. Oh, wow. Day one, huh? I know, yes. And the other one was like, um, she said, oh, what makes you think you're... Well, Sandra, you know you're not pretty, but you have something special. Oh. So she wasn't the type of mother would ever give compliments or anything like that, you know? I don't know what that was all about, but that was her, so. Did did she ever um, show any remorse for any of that? When she was much, 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 much older, my husband and I moved her into our house and we took care of her. And, you know, she was had aphasia that part of her life, and she was dying of cancer. So 
I know. I said, Mom, you were a great mother, and I'm really grateful that you were in my life. Never remorse. She was never a remorseful person, but I forgave her. What could I say? And that's the most important part, that you can move on. Exactly. And yeah, it was sad. She loved my brother more than she loved me. And that was just, he was blonde and blue. You know, it was more like her blondish kind of her blonde hair and she loved it but it's funny at the end of his life because our family has a lot of tragedy he couldn't stand her ah. it just was like a really sad sort of a you know a way of life at the end for her i wonder if it's that generation because my great grandmother and my grandmother especially and her sister always tended to show favoritism and i've heard this from my family for years towards the boys Maybe, yeah, because yeah. my grandmother, my Bobby, loved my older, uh, my eldest uncle and loved my, you know, the one that's still alive, the youngest uncle. She loved them both so very much. All right. So we take, so we start in Brooklyn and we have this family dynamic here that I'm sure in certain ways made you much stronger. And then um, once you entered adulthood, what was your path? What were your plans? What were your hopes? Well, I had want when I was, you know, I always, I was a singer when I was a kid, so I wanted to continue in that. But because I lived under my parents' roof, my mother's roof, they didn't let me do that. Uh, today, if I went back, I'd probably say, you're not going to tell me what to do. Because if I ever said that to him, you know, she would slap me upside the head because mm -hmm. I did, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I followed the path into college and got an art degree, a fine arts, Bachelor of Fine Arts, and taught for a few years, which, oh, God, I hated that. And uh, went back into show business in my late 20s, trying to find my way into show business and yet keep my teaching job and all that kind of stuff. So And this was, was in New York? Hmm? Was this You were still in New York? still in New York. Okay. I was teaching on Long Island. I lived in Manhattan, lived in Brooklyn, then moved to Manhattan. The, a girlfriend I happened to have, you know, I started singing in a lot of the gay clubs, the cabarets. Mm -hmm. And I met this clique of people and they were like very artsy. And um, then I met this girl who was probably one of the richest girls in New York. Her father owned an apartment building on East 68. So I shared her apartment with her. Mm. And, uh, you know, I would go from like the different cabarets, Reno Sweeney, Brothers and Sisters, you know, all the gay cabarets. Mm -hmm. And, I, I, and uh, I met a an agent who was visiting New York, but lived, or he was from here, from Los Angeles. Uh, and he said, you know, I'm opening a club in, in uh, Los Angeles. Do you want to come out and sing in the club? And I went... Why not? What did Good I for you. Did you, you know, have any children I, yet? I hadn't had children yet. Okay. And uh, I was like 28. So I came out here to Los Angeles. And as soon as I came here, I said, I'm never going back. Never. <laughs> never. And I never went back to New York to live. Right. And I got off the plane and I just thought, I'm never going back. This is my... This is me able to get away from New York. Now, just real quick, what did your mother think about this this voyage? She hated it. In fact, I said, 
like four months later after I was finished with club work I said send all my stuff out I'm not moving back mm. wow so she moved all the stuff out of the apartment that she could use and moved sent my clothes here I have to ask because you know I am not just because I am a gay man but what um, what was it like singing at these cabaret shows at these houses phenomenal oh I bet phenomenal how I was accepted by the gay men and the gay community and singing all these clubs oh my god it was like a dream come true for me I could be me I could be outrageous I could be myself sing the songs I wanted to sing it was great and did you sing into the 70s and 80s in, back then in California, I meant, were you singing at these types of clubs in the 70s and 80s? Uh, the 70s, early 70s, like 72 to 76, sang in clubs there. Then then I moved to uh, Los Angeles and sang at the club that brought he brought me out here was the Towpath Inn, uh, which was in L.A. on La Cienega Boulevard. And, you know, I sang there for a while. This agent that brought me out there was also like, you know, I got into AFTRA at the time, American Federation of uh, and started doing voiceovers. Mm-hmm. So that was what I did then. Right. The, the reason I, and this, I don't want to get into this as the whole crux of the show, but I was just wondering, because I, you know, you said, you know, a lot of gay clubs, 70s, and my first thought was, um, and of course, I have friends too. But even though medicine has advanced so much, the the whole saga of HIV. Oh my God, AIDS! Oh, yes, it was just like so many of my friends died of AIDS back then. It just was one funeral after another. Because I also hung out with the hairdressers, and they are always like, you know, they get AIDS and die. It was a very sad time. Very sad. So, all right. So you're 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 now in California, and was there ever a moment where you thought, "Oh my God, what am I doing? Is this gonna work? Am I did I do the right thing?" Or were you like, "This is this is my destiny. This is my destiny. I'm not going back to New York." It's, you know, I was even though my mother was just you didn't she didn't really like me or understand me. She had this hold over me, you know, so I stayed away and moved away to get away from her. I mean, that's the truth. And so, no, this is my destiny. I'm staying here. Gotcha. So now you have roots in L.A. And what was what would you consider one of your aha moments when you just thought I'm doing the right thing? What was what was a a gig you got or something where you really had a boost of self-confidence? Uh, let's see. Oh, when I, it sounds so crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of when I was the, oh, got this mattress company that I was there like representative and I used to, Heirloom Mattress Company. The owner of the Heirloom Mattress Company was a blind man named King Carpet and they hired me to be their girl. So, you know, so I sang, when we rock you to sleep all night. You hear us sing, it's something a happy beat. Thank you, heirloom. Thank you, heirloom. Thank you, heirloom. (laughs) 
Ooh, that was almost, you almost sounded like Marilyn Monroe at the end. Oh, well, I, you know, I got that gig and that was great. And I thought, what am I going to do now with my life out here? How do I um, navigate? Because New York and L.A. are different when it comes to your acting. It's like New York, you could do a lot of things on your own. You could create your own things. Here, you have to have an agent and a manager. It's, you know, it's still the same. You have, you can't, you can do a lot of stuff yourself now. Like, of course, I'm doing TikTok and all the other things myself and, you know, but and Instagram and Facebook, which is great for me. But back then, it, you had to have an agent or a manager to direct you to things. Mm-hmm. So then um, you started, were you absolutely confident you wanted to have a family? Or Because I know if you're in that, in that world, I mean, you're traveling and working a lot. How did you juggle that decision? I didn't juggle it until the mid uh, beginning of the 80s because I met somebody and we fell in love and I thought, you know, he's very pretty. (laughs) You know, Uh blonde, blue eyes. I said, oh, I want to have a kid with him. I don't know where that came from. So, of course, I wind up having, I said, oh, and if I have a daughter, she'll look like him. Of course, I have a son who looks like me, which is fine with me. And he's gorgeous, and uh, you know he looked like my father and my brother, and so uh, that was that. We, I got married and had a kid, and um, was still doing voiceovers and cabaret, some cabaret stuff, but mostly uh, taking care of my son. And then right. we split up, and I didn't have a. And I shared this with a TikTok of a woman whose husband left her, or she left him her husband and like how do you survive Mm -hmm. and we split up and I had to learn how to survive so such a crazy story when I first came to LA you know LA is very clicky place you get you have to get into a click of people it's not like you know you meet everybody on the street and you get together so I I was with this click of people and the family the husband and wife they owned a lighting company of all things and the father says to me, you know, SJ, if you don't become a star, and I said, how dare you? You <laughs> sell light bulbs for a living. I went, light bulbs? I have known nothing about light bulbs. Well, of course, push came to shove. I worked for them. I made money. And when my husband left me, I went back to selling light bulbs, and I gave up my acting career because I wanted to raise my son rather than... I didn't care about... Okay, my son was the most important thing to me. Right. Right. So did you have a daughter yet then too? No, I have no daughter at all. I don't have a daughter. Oh, okay. The person on TikTok is not my daughter. That's a whole other story I prefer not to go right. into. Okay. Because she's not my daughter. No, okay. I have a, one son, daughter-in-law, and three grandsons. That's it. Gotcha. So, okay. So you did give up acting for a while. Did you, did you um, yearn for it? No, it's funny. For 25 years, I was in the lighting business and I decided I didn't want to work for anybody else. And I opened up my own lighting company and it was very successful. And then push came to shove. Everything changed in the lighting business and they came out with LEDs and they were buying them from China. So um, I said, what's show business like now? So some of my actor friends, they said, everything's online now. I go, really? Well, maybe you could help me understand it and, you know, 
I'll look for a new agent. I'll see what happens. What have I got to lose? I'm 65 years old. What do I care at that time? Right. So I went back into it, and the first uh, voiceover job I got, a friend of mine was a disc jockey, and he was doing a bit about what was that? Oh, what was that book that was so popular 10 years ago? Where uh, it was like, uh, uh, oh, darn it. It was some book where, like, you know, this heavy and this guy takes this virgin and well, not a virgin but a virginal type and and you know he's uh, it's a book anyway I don't even remember because I never read the book but I thought <laughs> this would be fun so he, he did you know like he had me August Augustine oh, anyway I don't remember so I did a voiceover with like playing the old lady like oh I don't know what you should say you know that kind of silliness Right. And he he did the voice of the man. I did the voice of an old Jewish lady, and that popped me back into show business right then and there. Nice. And then um, <laughs> you then. did. You had. And then you know, as you moved back into show business, you had a short film that really got a lot of rave, right? Well, which one? <laughs> Ma Kit, Ma Kitty. Oh, Ma Kitty. Well, that was done a few years, five years ago. Before that, I had done like a short film called Balibation. That was the first one I did where the guy's hand turns into a telephone, you know. So that was a great short film. Oh, I really loved doing that. And and I, the first other thing I did is, and I love reality television. I got a tattoo on Bad Ink on A&E on mm. TV. That was interesting painful but interesting <laughs> and you know i just, just started doing commercials and you know everything's online now you know so i had to put a uh, a reel together and find an agent and my my old agent had passed so i went with this woman who happens to be world builder entertainment she's my manager now and um you know things have changed for me wow it was just push comes to shove 10 years you know it's like what works for, yeah and ma kitty i wrote this character you know she was on you know america's got talent right. <laughs> I, I wrote this this film i actually have the ma kitty too but i don't have the money right i'll eventually maybe i'll have the money to do it again but yes it was a lot of fun it got a lot of reviews it was i don't even know if he could find it anymore but it was trust me when i tell you it was wild oh i bet Oh my God! It's a wild film. So that is so interesting. I did not know about the lighting career. You learn something new about you every time I talk to you. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, much. I did not know that. I don't talk a lot about it, but I learned so much. At, you know, like I, when I had the lighting business, I would look up whenever I went into a place and go, "Oh, they use that kind of lighting on this kind of lighting." And mm-hmm. yeah, that was an interesting. I I met so many different people from that career. That you know, most of the people that work in in you know by maintenance maintenance men women, and they're the most interesting people because you know. They do all the dirty work, so I love them. They and they loved me. Sandy, the lighting girl, the girl that lights up your life with light bulbs. <laughs> you do light up people's lives. I love. Oh. I love that I have become a friend of yours. I really you do. Have become a friend of mine. Yes, and I. I do. really do. You know, people. Some people love me. Some people don't like me. Whatever. Whatever works. All right. 
So you're 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 still in LA. You're still working. You're still looking for great opportunities. Um, what is on the horizon? What's your? I know I know we talked recently with this strike. It's really thrown a wrench in everything. But um, what what are you looking forward to in the future, my friend? Oh well, you know I'm working on the show. Bubby's no best. Bubby's no. <laughs> Bubby's No Best, which is on Jewish Lifetime Television Network. We filmed most of the episodes. The last episode we filmed was the day of the hurricane and earthquake in L.A. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we have to go back and film, you know, film the rest of it. I mean, that's what I'm doing. And I'm going to be doing my podcast, hopefully in conjunction with them. So we do different things. And I really love working with Jewish Lifetime Television Network. They're just so flexible and fun and willing to go for different ideas and I love that about them so that's what I'm you know working on doing my podcast I interviewed you yesterday you know and uh just getting my message across of acceptance and love and you know I'm an ally LGBTQ plus ally trans ally and just hoping that the world you know because my generation we just wanted everybody to love each other and peace on earth and you know that's what we fought for back in the day and i really think generation z will help us get there that's you know important part of life and i just it's amazing to me how people have let the world some politicians go down the sewer and it just you know i'm glad my parents and my grandparents aren't alive anymore you know, you. I interviewed at the. I interviewed the vibe with Kai. He's a big TikToker, and he echoed what you just said about having faith in Generation Z. Well, my grandchildren are Generation Z, and I'm hoping that they can, you know, affect the change that us baby boomers started with everything. Like, what can we do to really help? You know, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know, I really believe that. Right. And to be accepting of everything. What, what? Why are people so... I find a lot of times when people are angry, they have a lot of fear that it's really about them and they don't want anybody else to find out about it. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. Look at the... the listen, the FBI, they're trying to dismantle it. But, you know, back in the day, the FBI was like, you know, Ed J. Edgar Uzins, as my husband calls him. <laughs> he was a cross-dresser. That yes, he was. I don't know a fact, but that's, I mean, that's what he was. He, and Roy Cohn pretending like he wasn't gay. Come on. Right. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's the reality. When people are afraid of something or angered by something so much, they're afraid to admit who they really are and what they're all about they're afraid right right and you know homophobia case in point you just made that you know dear betty white i'm a big golden girls fan as you know and you know one one of her interviews she said people just need to quit worrying so much about what everybody else is doing i thought you know I like I know, that. I know. You're right. I'm a Sophia Petrilla girl, you know, myself. <laughs> I could see myself playing that part. Shut Absolutely. Up, talking about Rose. I could just see. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, All right. So, um, in closing here, I want to ask you a similar question that you asked me, and I loved that question. 
and that is what and I'm paraphrasing here Hmm. what are your what is your biggest I'm going to change it just a tad what is your biggest hope and what do you fear doesn't happen my biggest hope of course is that Trump doesn't get elected Uh. (laughs) oh my god my fear is biggest fear is Trump will get elected Mm. I am you know I just can't believe the world there's so much hate in the world that he propagates I just I pray you know I just pray to God every day my higher power right won't happen in our country because well and you know I know some Trump supporters personally you know and and one-on-one hanging out with them they're not like that they're really they've just bought into you know I have to vote this way and, and there are the diehards I know but a lot of people they're just not thinking this through as much as I think they should and I will say and I tell a lot of people this what has kept my head up high and optimistic is in 2016 he got three and a half million less votes and I know electoral college is what matters but I hate the electoral college and in 2020 he also he's never received the most votes from the American people and I think that has kept me sane and my family are all Trump supporters except for me that surprised me see my family my family we would you would get thrown out on the street if you voted for Trump well my uncle and aunt uh, my nephew different people yeah they are I don't get it but they are Mm. I just don't get it I don't either but you know what we're only we're almost into 20 I mean we're not far from 2024 and then Iowa starts and all the primaries and oh my as you say oy vey <laughs> oy vey he should only be arrested and be thrown in jail that's what I say uh, from your mouth to God's ears oh thank you Ryan <laughs> the right Ryan yeah thank I you so you. much we and love you too told you they love you today I love you because you're you absolutely and please check out TikTok Bubby's social media pages especially the tiktok she's wonderful and i appreciate you being here sweetie much love to you i love you we love you take care